Hey everybody, Legs Malone here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. I am so excited to be bringing you this week's episode featuring the one and only Bettina May. Before we get into all that goodness, I wanted to signal to you guys that we are ever-increasing our listener numbers, and I am so, so, so happy to check in every week and see that we have more and more subscribers. And numbers might still be relatively small, but it's just so affirming that you guys are tuning in. And I just want to thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into this passion project of mine and Dave's. So thank you so much. And also thank you so much to those of you who have been donating. Even if it's just $5, I cannot tell you how much your wonderful donations go towards helping us make this podcast possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. On to this week's episode. I am so excited that Bettina was able to join us. Bettina, as you will soon hear, is the first person, at least that I'm aware of, to have obtained her green card. She's a Canadian citizen. Uh, to have obtained her green card for being a very talented burlesque artist. I don't think many people can say that. And I have to say, she is an incredibly intelligent woman, and I had no idea how far her ambitions and dreams reached until she came by my house and had a little sit-down. So I want to wish you guys a lovely next hour or so of enjoying today's podcast. Bettina is a real treat and a real charm, so I definitely recommend you visit her website and learn up on her. Wow, that is some terrible English. How about you read up on her? <laughs> if my mother's listening, I'm sure she's breathing a sigh of relief for all that incredibly expensive education that I had. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, go ahead, pour yourself a cup of something good, pull up a nice comfortable seat, and get ready for the one and only Bettina May. Tina May, thank you so much for joining me on today's uh, podcast episode. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me Absolutely. This is so um, unplanned, and I'm just so pleased it worked out with scheduling. We were at Hill and Dale last night, uh, Ula Uberbusen's show, uh, Victrola Burlesque, and eating French fries and drinking delicious cocktails. And uh, we just, we started talking, we didn't really stop. And I was like, wait a second, I want to interview you. Yeah. And here we are. So thank I'm you. So I'm glad. so pleased that you could squeeze this in. Yeah, it worked out perfectly. I, sometimes that's the best way to plan things in the city is just, can you do it right now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, if you say, oh, we'll do it soon, and then it never happens. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm a firm believer in like setting calendar dates. Because at least then, if it needs to be rescheduled, we say, okay, then what's the next date? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it just disappears. Yeah. It disappears. Um, how's your summer going? It's going great. Yeah. I've uh, decided to stay home for the whole month of July. Um, so I've just been really enjoying summer here. Mm. It's been pretty lovely. Even when, you know, we've been talking about weather a lot, yes. <laughs> you and I. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've just been really enjoying the warmth. It hasn't been too humid, but even those humid days... Um, I love thunderstorms. It's my favorite kind mm. of weather situation. <laughs> I agree totally, especially when it's like a super humid day and just that 
you know, finally the thunderstorm rolls in, it rains like crazy, and then it's like cool and fresh, yeah. and yeah. You know the weather's going to break, and I just can't wait. I love that, that smell when you know it's just about to yes. rain. Ugh. There's a, a word for it, and I, I just learned on the internet, and I don't remember it. Because it, it always has that sort of like, an almost like metallic earthy smell, like, yeah. and something's getting it's stirred up, or... It starts with PT, I think. It's one of those, like, oh, wow. kind of crazy. Like pterodactyl. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But not. But not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my new favorite word that I've... I mean, I know it's been out and about on the Internet a lot recently, but it is umami, oh. which is the, like, fifth flavor group or sixth flavor group or something. It's right. like there's sweet, there's savory, there's... Um, uh, bitter. Bitter, there's... Uh, what's it? Like, um... Oh, I guess, is bitter and sour the same thing? No, no I don't think it different. is. Bitter, sour, and then umami. Oh, what is it? I'm not sure. Mm. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't have the internet in we front of me right now. We both have a lot now. of Googling to do. <laughs> 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 I, should, <laughs> I should just keep a keep a running list. Someone's doing that right now. Someone is. Like, oh, ladies, it's right here. So easy. I mean, duh. I mean, my phone is right there. I could, but I choose not to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the... The, the mystery flavor of umami. Um, I have to say, I mean, I'm thinking about all of the things that I want to talk to you about and to hear your stories about. And I feel like, you know, talking about tastes and flavors, you're probably one of the best-known vegans I know in the burlesque scene, oh. which I really admire. Um, and I think anyone who chooses to be a vegan so wholeheartedly, because there are quite a few vegans mm -hmm. on the burlesque scene. Um, I mean, that is, that's an, a really extraordinary commitment that I'm sure entails quite a few mm, problem-solving skills and yes. resourcefulness and, you know, just, because there's so, I'm just thinking of like leather shoes, feather boas, right. feather fans. Mm -hmm. You had an amazing act last night that had vegan feathers, which blew my mind. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, can you speak to, how is it being, A, I mean, I, would, I just want to know everything, because veganism <laughs> fascinates me. I was a vegan for a year. Uh -huh. I was a terrible vegan. I was a French fry vegan. Yeah. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy for me. <laughs> um, but I would just, I would love to hear all of that, and yeah. then I'll, I'm sure I'll ask you more questions. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I got started as a vegan, um, sort of introduced to it in high school, in the hardcore punk rock scene started, you know, seeing a lot of people with, like, passing out pamphlets at shows about, like, factory farming and how terrible it was, and so that's kind of what piqued my interest, but I was also really big into environmentalism as a youth, mm. and uh, so I sort of came at it both from a, you know, an ecological perspective, wanting to save the earth and realizing how important it is um, to leave a smaller footprint on the earth, which is part of... Um, you know, not factory farming, eating local, eating a plant-based diet, um, but also just from an animal rights and a compassionate perspective, mm -hmm. uh, just wanting to, um, you know, um, take care of animals and, and not do more harm than I need to. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of what drew it to me. I was like, oh, this really ties in with my, my love of the environment but also my love of all creatures and not wanting to, um, you know, and then re realizing that it's pretty unnecessary for most people to eat, you know, animal flesh or, mm -hmm. um, you know, products derived from their bodies. Um, and then that sort of, and then that sort of forced me to realize like, wow, you don't realize how much we use animals 
until you start thinking about it and then you're like, wow, it's my shoes. Even like, you know, my backpack, there was a tag on it that's made of leather. You're, it's just everywhere. And um, so that was a, a long process for me of starting to, you know, not want, as an environmentalist, not wanting to throw things in the garbage and, and waste them, you know, even though they were made from, you know, bad sources. But, you know, so it was it was a long-term thing. And I, I waited a really long time until I called myself vegan mm. um, because I, you know, didn't wasn't doing it for a fad. I wanted to make sure that it was something that I could really commit to, and and that it was I wasn't calling myself vegan and then became vegan to live up to that name. I you know that wasn't important to me being a, called a vegan. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that it, when the time was right, um, that I was ready for it. So I wasn't forcing anything. So I was, um, you know, I sort of eased myself slowly into vegetarianism after high school um, when I moved out on my own. I just stopped preparing meat, um, which was, I was like, oh, this is great, because I was also a bit of a, you know, that was like the salmonella poisoning time, and I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about that in yeah. my kitchen. That's fantastic. <laughs> I don't want to worry about, like, scrubbing down every kitchen oh, counter surface. Um, so, yeah, I just phased that out, and then after about 10 years of being vegetarian, um, it was actually on a my first burlesque tour to Europe, uh, I was going over with a girl who was vegan, and I was like, you know, I'm just, for the sake of our rider and making things easier, I'm just going to also say that I'm vegan um, for all intensive purposes so that she's not the only one trying to find something right. in Paris, you know. Which is really hard. Yeah, it is, but not impossible. And it True. was, you know, because there was the two of us, it sort of became a fun challenge of, like, what can we eat and discovered lots of really cool foods realize that the easiest place to eat in Paris is usually a falafel shop because they'll speak English with you. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, oh, awesome. Anywhere that's not traditional French cuisine, right. the people are like, oh, great, let's sp speak English, our common language. And they were really friendly and totally keen to make anything, even if it wasn't on the menu. I got this. There's this great little thing you can get. I forget. I think the Vegan Society makes it. It's called the Vegan Passport. And Whoa. it's a little tiny book that in... Most major languages, you know, I think there's about 120 different pages of languages. It explains, I am vegan. These are the things I can eat. Wow. These are the things I can't eat. And then in the native cuisine of that language, it's like, here are a few samples of foods that oh are good God. for me. That's brilliant. And so you don't have to try and explain it or learn it. It's like, you know, the booklet says, just pass this to the chef and have them, then they can read it and understand it. Mm -hmm. And there's even a page on the back. Uh, where words fail, there's just pictograms of like cows and and you know sheep and all those things with a line crossed through it and a frowny face saying no. <laughs> and then a pic like another picture of things that you like carrots and broccoli and rice and potatoes with like a happy face. <laughs> wow. So it's great for travelers if you're just like you know you want to go adventure traveling and you want to try new things, but you're also like hey, I don't really speak, like, Nepalese or whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> you seriously. can be like, here's a picture, read this. And it's it's been great, and I've really had no problems. So after that trip, uh, which was back in 2007, you know, managed to make it through the whole tour being vegan, and I was like, you know what? If I can be vegan in Paris, there's no reason why I can't live on the west coast of Canada where there are, you know, vegan restaurants everywhere and tons of options in the grocery store there's no reason I'm just being lazy right. <laughs> right. so that for me was the real turning point 
and I had been mostly vegan up to that point anyways. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, at that point it was easy to make the transition and being like, you know what, this is, this is important. It's going to make a difference in some animal's life and it's going to be better for the environment. And it's really not hard for me. And mm. I'm not sacrificing that much, especially now there's so many awesome food options that you can get out there. Like here in Brooklyn, there's this amazing vegan cheese company called Dr. Cows that makes like gourmet artisanal cashew cheeses. No way. They're like, it, you know, that like hard, like sharp mm. cheese that is so nice for like a wine and cheese party or like mix it with crackers. Oh my God, they I make them and they're, they just opened a new shop. It's, I think it's a uh, South sixth street in Williamsburg it's amazing. Oh, oh my God. God. If like for foodies who are just like, but I don't want to give that up. Like that is amazing. And also anybody who's lactose intolerant or right. just dairy free by choice. Yeah. Yeah. If, wow. Especially if you have to give it up for health reasons and you still miss it. Um, cashew cheese is incredible. I have to say cashew ice cream. The There's this raw, what is it? Like agave cashew, mm. like all, all raw it is. Yeah. I'm smacking my lips. Yeah. <laughs> it is <laughs> unbelievable, and it is the richest, most decadent thing I've ever had. Madame Rosebud actually is the one who introduced mm. it to me. Oh, here comes some window washers, by the way. <laughs> Listeners, you can't see this, but... Should I moon them? No. Should you moon them? Sure. In, in full burlesque spirit. Why not? The cats will probably freak out. Um, now, you... Um, so how long has it been since you became a vegan? Uh, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 7 years. Wow. Um, I haven't started to get the 7 year itch. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, the hardest part for me hasn't been the food. It's been, um, as a burlesque dancer, the costuming. Because so much yes. of burlesque costuming is feathers. And to a lesser extent, fur. Um, you know, Nowhere else would you see someone like wearing a full fox head stole um, in public other than really a burlesque show or a vintage event um, and leather shoes to a certain extent, but it's it's not that difficult to find them and um, I've always sort of enjoyed the limiting aspect of being vegan because it sort of forces my creativity a bit mm. um, and i I like that because i I'm an indecisive person <laughs> in general, so when I go into a restaurant and there's one vegan option, I'm like, great. I don't. I just would never be able to decide amongst everything in the menu. <laughs> like it would take me hours. <laughs> so when I do, here's go, the one thing I can have. I know. So when, now that there are more vegan businesses and like stores, where I'm like, what? I can buy all of these shoes? Uh oh. <laughs> 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 How am I gonna decide? Um, oh price is usually my limiting uh, reagent. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's been a challenge. Uh, at first, it was a challenge of like, okay, like I, I want to do these, like a fan dance, but how do I do it? And so I, I've experimented with different kinds of fabric fans, and um, you know I've liked them, but also professionally, as I um, sort of get higher and higher on the the, the scale, I guess you could say, um, a lot of corporate events want, you know, when they think burlesque, yes. they think we want a fan dance, and or we want those big ostrichy feathers. And so usually I've been able to say, oh, I've got this great boa act, and I just bring it, and they don't know that it, they're not turkey feathers, that it's actually you know shredded satin. But there are some times when I've been passed over, or there's just certain venues that won't book me because they're like, if you don't have a feather act, we can't book you. Oh, my God. Yeah, and wow. it's really, you're like, what? 
like why is that so important? You know, everything else is there, the spectacle, the audience doesn't really know the difference. Um, but yeah, that's been disappointing and it's also just like, it's frustrating for me, but it's also pushed me to be like, okay, mm -hmm. there's a demand for that. And so I need to figure out a way to make something that is as good as or better than ostrich feathers. Um, and before I started doing burlesque, I had this company called Coquette Faux Furriers where I made... I remember that. Yeah, I made vintage style um, faux fur stoles and muffs and hats and stuff like that. And I'd make the stoles with the little faces. I learned how to do it. I just looked up some like teddy bear online oh my God. patterns. And so I'd, I'd cut the little hair and put the little eyes in. I really liked doing that, but it, it was pretty labor intensive and more a labor of love and not, not really profitable to be doing that on a point-by-point point basis. Right. Um, but that was a big inspiration for me. Um, you know, I, I made a spe special set for Dita Von Tees, and she wow. ended up wearing a magazine, so that no was way. really a big deal for Oh, me. my God, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I had a set for her. Um, so, yeah, I've always... and I So I started making costumes for burlesque dancers, and that's what led me to burlesque. I was like, oh, wow. I, I started going to the shows to see, like, what kind of stuff do they need? And I was like, this looks like fun. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh my God. So wait, when, now how long have you been a burlesque performer then? Well, I started doing this, the costuming stuff in 2002 and then I did my first burlesque dance in 2003. Wow. Yeah. So wow. it all kind of, that was just about when I graduated from university and I was, I was like, okay, school is done. Now I'm going to do fun stuff. Like I've got the degree in political science. Now I'm going to go and do what I really want to do, which is you know, I'd, I'd always loved sewing. That was, you know, my favorite class in school, and so that's what I got into. And I always loved dancing, but I had never really been able to afford to take dance classes or anything, so mm -hmm. I never considered that an option. Um, but yeah, I just loved dancing so much, and it all, and I loved vintage everything, so it all just kind of seemed to lead together. Um, so yeah, I've always enjoyed making costumes and trying to find other ways to get around. Um, you know the, the the fur part obviously that's pretty yeah. easy um there's still a couple of you know i'd love to be able to design my own fabric someday oh, to get wow. like the most amazing red fox fur is like that's mm. the holy grail of fur for me you know that beautiful maybe it's because i'm a redhead and i love red <laughs> hair but you know that just bright red plush mm. i've never found a faux fur that really lives up to that so that's one that i would like to make myself wow. <laughs> so attention all vegan furriers out yes there. make me a red fox fur <laughs> and i will revive coquette for furrier that will happen <laughs> God bless it, man. yeah that'd be amazing that'd be amazing yeah um last year though the um Mr. Gorgeous, uh, the king of boylesque, <laughs> he turned me onto these amazing uh, synthetic pheasant feathers that he found. And that's what you were that's using what his, last night. Yeah. And so I, I bought. They had them in a bunch of sizes, and I've, um, I bought, bought all, all of them. them. <laughs> I did. I cleaned the store out. Wow. And uh, and I, I still have them in the other two sizes, a small size and a large size that I'm working on things, but. What I've made so far was a big headdress that was really inspired by old like Zigfield Follies type mm. um, headdresses that I'd seen, and uh, yeah, I love them. So I made this Art Deco costume with them, and and that's been great. I've, you know, I I did get a booking last week where they, or actually it was this Monday, and they were like, we want something like big, like feather fans or something like that, and I was like, 
okay, I've got this fe- feather headdress. And they were like, perfect, that's great. Oh, and my I'm like, God. thank goodness. Um, so that's that's been a real gift in a way. I'm, I'm really glad that they have that. And I hope that um, more people start using them because they're so much cheaper than real feathers. Yeah. Um, they last longer. Yeah. Uh, you can get them on, f- like, floralsupply.com oh. has them in a uh, couple different sizes. So um, that's a great great place to get them if you're not living in New York. Um, or maybe even you could get them at Michael's or something. I'm not sure. I've not been yeah. to one. but um, So that's super awesome that they have those. But fe- or um, ostrich feathers are kind you, of like the... We were talking about this last night. I mean, that seems to be, I mean, the holy grail of feathers. It is. <laughs> it really is because it's just so... In costuming, they're just the most extravagant and elegant and they're just a, a mixture of like big and bright you can get them brightly colored but they also have this like softness and this luxuriousness mm. you know when you see a feather just sort of in here i'm like selling feathers i'm a terrible <laughs> vegan <laughs> but you know the way that it touches the skin when a dancer is dancing with it that is really hard to beat with anything else so far so i've actually been working on something that i think i've got it very close um using synthetic hair um, so I've just made a set of fans, and they're pretty small, like not as big as I'd want, because um, they're the hard thing to do is get something that looks that way and is featherweight. Right, right, of course. <laughs> Feathers are really unique in the way they're made, that they're strong but soft and movable. It's, they're just this amazing, you know, nature is amazing, and it's yeah. incredible. I was going to say biology and... Natural selection, whatever whatever it was yeah. that led to the evolution of the feather, is pretty perfect. Yeah, and the, like it's human fashion has always sort of been striving to uh, recreate the beauty of animals, of wild animals. Mm. Um, someone did a book about it that I really want to read. A friend of mine, who's a vegan fashion designer, found it, and it's it's really interesting the relationship between human and thin animals, and the way we've, we're always trying to replicate that. You know, that strutting peacock or the you know, the leopard and the totally. zebra and, you know, all just, there's so, it's so amazingly beautiful, but um, I think that they deserve to keep that on their own bodies and we can definitely emulate that and, and celebrate it, but um, I'm still striving to do that without taking it from them. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this, this new feather fan that I made, so I'm going to be trying it out at shows this week and... Um, working on getting getting the weight right, trying different different materials. But I'm going to be teaching a class at BurleyCon this year. Great. Um, called Creative Costuming. Um, sort of a way to show that vegan costuming isn't just for vegans. It's great for people who are on a budget um, or who live places where you can't get your hands on, you know, not everyone has a garment district in their city. Right, right, absolutely. (laughs) So they're great tips for people who are just trying to recreate glamour, but with limited resources in whatever way. So I'm hoping to have a really great prototype of this ostrich feather to bring there to teach girls how to make. Oh, yeah, wow, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's, It's the best I've ever made one look, and I've been trying to recreate ostrich feathers you know, since I first started with Coquette Beaufort, it was back in 2002. So it's wow. been it's been like 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's amazing. Stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> 
wow. considering it's taken 12 years, maybe not so talented. But oh, hey, come on. ambition is 99% of it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And just doing the work. Yeah. A, you know, as long as you keep on doing it, you'll you'll get there. Right. Eventually. Right. <laughs> Even if it takes 12 years. That's right. Um, speaking of other things that take time, um, I love your tagline in burlesque, uh, which is an alien. You, you are the alien of extraordinary ability. That's right. And hard that one. is from, <laughs> yeah, absolutely hard one because you, is it true you're the first and only person to get your green card? Because you're a Canadian citizen. That's right. By birth. Yes. Um, and you gained your green card for being a burlesque performer. I did, yeah. That is so fucking badass. Yeah, so far as we know, no one else has done it. I think it would have been a lot easier for me to get it if someone else had. Absolutely. <laughs> but maybe not, because part of part of getting the Alien of Extraordinary Ability green card is proving that no one else can do what you do. That's how you get it. So other people who have this kind of green card are like, Nobel Peace Prize winners, um, scientists who are exceptional in their field, actors, you know, athletes, people who are kind of top in their field. So it's it was pretty ambitious, and you know, as a humble Canadian, it was difficult to you know, it's difficult for any entertainer or you know person to say you're the best at what you do because you might not necessarily feel that's true, but right. you need to still prove that to them to get it. <clears throat> so how did you prove that? Well, I had had two... The, the first step sort of happened a few years earlier when I was trying to come down to the U.S. to do a tour with a friend of mine. We had started a, um, a show, and she lived in the U.S., and I lived in Canada, so I wanted to come down. So she, the only way we were able to do it at that point was to get me a, a one-year visa mm. to come and live in the States, and you need someone to sponsor you for that. Right. So she formed a company that could sponsor me. Um, so for that those were like the building blocks that were really essential to first of all making burlesque dancer a category because they didn't have that category wow. before um so we had to sort of the we hired a lawyer and she did a lot of research to sort of build up evidence that it's an art form um that it's that's historically based mm-hmm. um thank goodness there's the you know Miss Exotic World Museum um, burlesque Hall of Fame, um, showing that there's a competition. Yeah, you know, adds more weight and museum and history and all that. So grateful to people like Jenny Lee and Dixie Evans for starting that Absolutely. hard work, um, so that we do have that history. Yeah. Um, and then I had to get letters from top people in my field, which was also very humbling. Wow, is that like producers or venues or all of that performers and wow. and it would have to be people that they had heard of so that's really tricky in burlesque because you know even like my mom doesn't know any of these people right. <laughs> you know like the average person is like dirty martini who you know yeah, right yeah because they're not household names yet <laughs> right but they're at least they do have you know great looking wikipedias and and all that so I, I did manage to get some pretty incredible letters from people um who I would never think I would be able to talk to, but I just emailed anyone I knew and I just explained my situation. Said, "Hi, I know I know you don't really know me, but um, would you be willing to write a letter saying that you think I'm fantastic because your name is 
high level in our field, and and I it, this is really important for me. And I think you know, and I was surprised at the people I got who got back to me. Wow. Um, I th- I think some of them were just like, yeah, stick it to the government. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know you, but I think that they, you know, I think the borders are revel- irrelevant, and I think that you should be here. So that was thank goodness. Awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I was really lucky. But it's I mean, it's so hard to write letters like that. Oh God. Like, it's like cold calling people who you don't know and you're like and some of them I you know hey we like did a show 10 years ago do you remember that like I was the girl with the red hair I thought you were great we took a picture together you know just like things like that where it's like please 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 yeah absolutely (laughs) so it was it was a lot of work and you know it was really frustrating because not many people believed I would get it. And this was just the first visa, um, you know. And it was a big jump for me, too, to be like... Oh, that was your first visa yeah. to come in initially. Yeah. Holy was, shit. That was all the work that was needed for that. Wow. Um, for just a one-year visa. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when I renewed that, um, well, long story short, I got that one, which was... But I got it six months late. And I had Damn. spent the thousand dollar premium processing fee so that they would look at it in 15 days and they didn't oh my god Uh, they said um not enough information and i was like no it's all there and they're like oh sorry i'm like so a thousand dollars down the drain really the the trouble is and i can't really blame them um immigration services is entirely fee funded they get no federal funding they get no government funding whatsoever oh really i didn't know that so that's why they the only way that they get funding for what they do is to ask us for more fees so they have to you know Shit. make it really difficult for anyone doing it so i th- i mean i really think it should get at least some federal funding uh, absolutely i mean those people like- are doing a huge job of making sure that they're letting in the right people or and you know, I'm sure they're processing a lot of refugee claims as well. Like, that stuff should be going through right away. Yeah. And instead, you can wait 12 years to get, you know, because my sister's a citizen because she married an American years ago, and she happily lives with her family in Seattle. But for her to sponsor me, I would have had to wait 12 years. And you know what? That could be the end of a burlesque career, waiting uh, for yeah. that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I don't dance anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's my entire burlesque career right there right. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. far. So um, wow. I was just like, okay, the only way to do it is this way. So I, I got my two work visas, um, but it meant that I had to always work with the person who sponsored me. And after the halfway into the second year of my second visa and by the way you have to do that whole process every time time. so you have to get all new letters all new everything can you approach the same people um it's probably not advisable you can i mean especially for venues saying yes we're going to continue to hire her all that stuff you can still do but um you know you have to i just saved all my press clippings and sent out press releases so i could get more press clippings so that you have a stack of Look, I'm still doing what I'm doing, and I'm still doing it well. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a lot to think about, um, and getting those visas was like a six-month job that I had to do in addition to being a full-time performer. So it was really a lot of work and very stressful, never knowing if it's going to get renewed, and then there's so much uncertainty of not knowing what if this doesn't work out? Do I have to go back to Canada and get an office job again? Because there's just not enough work as an entertainer in Canada. It's yeah. The population density is just not there. So it's it's really difficult. And, um, you know, I love Canada and I love the people in it, but 
when you're in showbiz, you just need to go where you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just there's just nowhere in Canada that has that level. Yeah. Of of an entertainment scene. Right. Unfortunately. So um, so yeah. After I decided to leave the show that had sponsored me, and uh, which was kind of frightening because um, you know without a sponsor, I yeah. was like. You know, I was talking to my lawyer, and safety net. I was like, what do I do? Like, I really want to stay and work. What are my other options? And she was like, well, the only option really is for you to get this, to, you know, petition for yourself as to get a green card. Um, but she's like, ah, you know, Johnny Depp's done it. You know, like, <laughs> so if you think you're Where's at that level. From? Well, I mean, they've done it to get okay green cards in other countries. Got it, got it, you know, got it. like. Hey, I want to live in France. I'm Johnny Depp. Okay, you know, <laughs> right, as you do. Or like, I'm sure like Celine Dion has probably done something like that. She, I don't think she even has a green card. She probably just gets, you know, most people don't do it because if you're, say, you're a movie actor, you get, uh, you know, a visa from your the, this movie studio or right, whatever. Exactly, the they just deal with all that. So mm-hmm. not many people have actually done this. And I've I've actually talked to after since getting my green card, talked to other people I knew like, like supermodels and stuff who I'm lucky enough to run into in New York City who are from Canada and I'm like oh did you get this and they're like oh no I had to like marry my gay hairdresser and I'm like you could have this is something that you could have done but people don't know about that and I think that that's that's what makes the whole immigration process so difficult is everyone's story is different everyone has a different way of going about it and it's so difficult to find the information to um, figure out what to do and how Mm -hmm. to do it uh, I, I did get turned away from the border once when I was traveling. Really? And they they banned me for the day, and it was very Just scary. Just for one day? For one day. Um, they're like, you can come back down. But then, for you know, still I have, you know, I crossed the border a few weeks ago, and they were like, did you have difficulty crossing the border, blah, 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 in 2007? And I'm like... Yep. So I have to tell them the story because they have my signed affidavit, and I just tell them what happened. And um, you know, it's it's always going to be there. And I'm I'm amazed that it didn't affect my green card process. But um, you know, that day when I got turned away, and they were like, "Well," um, I was like, "How do I go about getting a visa to do a show?" Or like, "What do I need? What do I need? What do I need to work?" And they're like, "Well, we don't know, but." Maybe you could talk to the consulate, which is not who you talk to. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, you know what I can't do, but you don't know how to do it right. So can you see my frustration at not knowing the way to do it? If you don't even know what I need to do, right. how would I have ever figured out how to get a work visa if the people who work at the border don't even know what it is? Damn. <laughs> so it's very frustrating. Um, there's just a lot of misinformation or lack of information. There's no, no easy place to look up where to do things so it, it's really hard for people to do things the right way yeah. and that's the frustration I get with the whole like immigration dilemma people are like well you just do it the right way well do you know that what that is no one does yeah and not everyone can afford a lawyer to explain it to them or to help yeah, them the number one navigate thing it immig- like a successful immigration really does boil down I mean a the incredibly hard work that it takes yeah but then money yeah I mean, it is expensive with lawyers and mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. I mean, like the fees, like you were saying. I mean, I yeah. had a failed bid to get a work visa to live in the UK. And I mean, not only was that entire immigration, 
I mean, that was eight months of hell and three mm-hmm. rejections and, oh. you know, so much money. And, yeah. and it was just, it was emotionally just wrenching. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I, uh, I'm sympathetic to people, you know, trying to get a visa because it is not easy. It's Which not. is why I'm also like doubly, triply in awe of you because I'm like, holy shit, girl, you fucking did it. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. When did you get your green card? I got my green card August 2012. Wow, so it's coming up on two years. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. Moses. It's really exciting. It's quite a journey. <laughs> um, Understandable. So when I decided that I wanted to do it, I was, I had left the tour I was in. I was on the West Coast when I left the tour, um, and I wasn't really living anywhere because we had just been living in a tour bus, and I had a bunch of my stuff was at my friend's house in New Jersey, which is kind of was our stop. Mm-hmm. But I was like, where do I go? What do I do? So I made the decision, you know, I was like, I've got friends in Portland and I know that there's a scene there, but I don't know if I could do it full time. Um, but I'm pretty sure if I go to New York that I could work full time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made the leap to go to New York and um, thought I had a lot of money saved up. <laughs> and because, uh, you know, I hadn't been paying rent while I was on the tour. So I'm like, OK, I've got some money set aside. I think it should be enough to last me three months in New York, uh, <laughs> um, and that should be enough to get me on my, my feet. Um, and it, you know, it might have been enough to get me through had I not been paying for a lawyer. But oh, um, shit, of course. You know, as soon as I got there, I was subletting a friend's bedroom, and the rent on that was more than any single home I had ever rented in entirety in Victoria. Wow. And Victoria has the highest rents in Canada, so it's not cheap to live there. But I was like, whoa, okay, I will pay that to rent your bedroom in a three-bedroom place. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and uh, then I just started making appointments to go find myself a lawyer because the the lawyer I had been using was in the process of moving states, so she couldn't help me, which was really unfortunate because I'm sure a Seattle lawyer would have been a lot cheaper than a New York lawyer. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I was like, okay, if I just put all the money I have right now into this problem, I want to solve it that way. I'm just going to throw money at it, and that should fix it, right? <laughs> so I talked to a girlfriend of mine who uh, I knew from Suicide Girl days when mm. I used to model for them, and she I knew that she had just uh, finished law school and had gone, she was becoming a lawyer, and I was like, who's the best immigration lawyer in town? <laughs> Boy, was I naive. She's <laughs> like, oh, I know the best one. Here, here you go. So I went there. Seeing the lawyer, I think, cost me, just for a... Just to talk to them, it was like $300. And I was like, wow. Well, I was like thinking, okay, well, this will apply towards my feet, hopefully. So I go in and I talk to them. They had me talking to, and I went there and they were the best place. They had awards up on the wall for being the best lawyer in New York City. So that's great. Um, I felt like I'm making a right step. This is scary, but these seem to be the people who can do it, if anyone can do it. And I talked to the lady. She was full of misinformation. She was like, well, right now you're in breach of, you know, your, um, because I found out that the the girl who had given me my, helped me get my um, visa had called to cancel it and tried to get me deported. So <gasps> that I was Jesus like, Christ. oh, my God, right now I'm basically in breach of, of my status right. as an immigrant. So I was like, what do I do? And she was like, you need to get out of the country within 12 days. You can't be here. Uh, if you are, you you know you'll be locked up and then deported. And I was like, holy shit, are you kidding me? Like I thought I had a grace period, or you know at least until the end of when my 
my visa was supposed to be, and she's like, no, you're not in status right now, which is a very scary place to be. Those are scary words, not in status yeah. if you're an immigrant. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. And then she was like, we can we can do this for you. We can file it for you while you're in Canada. Um, and the cost of that will be $17,000. Holy shit. And I just lost my shit. I was like, <laughs> I have to, like, I just moved here, and now I have to move back. Where to? Like, I don't even think I can afford to move back to the oh West Coast right God. now with the money I've spent. So I was, I went home and just like hysterically cried, trying not to let my brand new roommates hear me because I was just crying for like the whole day and night because I was like, oh my God, like what have I got myself into? This is terrifying. And I was like, $17,000, like there's, that's my annual income, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, 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 <laughs> I was yeah. like, there's no way, like, I don't even know anyone I could borrow a fraction of that from. Just like, no. <laughs> you know, like, what do I do? So, um, she, fortunately, she called me the next day and was like, I made a mistake. You don't have to leave. There's a six month grace period. Oh you can God. stay in the country. And I was so mad at her. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you did this to me. Like, what you've done to my insides, like, I'm sure has put a cancer somewhere. No. You know what I mean? You're just like, that was some physical damage that yeah, I felt yeah, yeah. from that stress. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm naming that tumor after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, that's great, finding a different lawyer. And so I called my friend. And I was like, can you recommend, like, someone who's maybe not the best lawyer <laughs> but will maybe get the job done so that was you know I I think I went to see another person and I had plans you know I, I went to someone who I knew recommended a lawyer that had gotten their green card and I was like okay that sounds very promising they're like he's a friend go see him so I went to that guy and was not feeling 100% about him but the other person that was recommended lived out in Long Island and also wanted to charge me, you know, $500 just to see him. And I was like, you know, I just, I can't afford to see anyone else. I basically just have to go with this other person um, and find a way. And he quoted me, you know, maybe, it was maybe about like half of what the first one was. Oh, wow. But which was still like, a chunk of how am I going to do that? And wanted, you know, a big chunk of that up front. And I was like, I can't. So what do you want to do? <laughs> I was like, this is all the money I have in the world right now. Can that get us started? And it's going to mean I'm not eating for the rest of the month. You know, like, Damn. will this will this happen? And I, he was like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, do you think I have a shot at it? And he was like, well, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm sure, you know, I've gotten other dancers who are, you know, in dance companies and not you know, super famous, this, because I was like, I'm not, no one knows who I am, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can't be like, look, I've been on this, you know, and I had a lot of documentation of, you know, press and stuff, but, you know, I'm certainly not Dita Von Tees, mm. <laughs> right, um, and I'd never won Miss Exotic World, I'm like, I'm sure if I'd won something like that, it would have been easy, right, um, so note to anyone who's wanting to immigrate to America, if you've won you know, the Burlesque Hall of Fame queen competition, I'm pretty sure that you can get it just on the basis of that. But if you don't have something like that, it's really hard uh, to prove it. So then I think that was like August of 2010 that we started working on that. And two years later, finally got it. But it was 
is scary and and seemed impossible and like everyone was so keen to tell me that it was a terrible idea <laughs> um, not everyone most people are very supportive but you know all you need is like two people being like well I just don't think it's gonna happen even I was in the lineup to go to see a metal show and some guy started chatting me up and it turned out he was a lawyer and I was like oh wow that's cool um, well I should get your information because things don't work out with this lawyer and I sort of told him my story and he's like oh wow I don't I've never heard of anyone getting one for that reason that's a really hard thing to get so to that gentleman I just want you to know that I got it so <laughs> up yours so there <laughs> yeah. thanks for ruining my night oh my god <laughs> stressing out of the show yeah cause it you know if, if I got that letter saying that I wasn't approved I'd have two weeks to pack up and go so it was a really stressful time for me, like played out in all sorts of ways of just like upset stomach, you know, sleeplessness, insomnia, you know, acne. Like my, I just became like a walking disaster for those two years yeah. <laughs> of just like, what's going to happen? <laughs> and wow. then having to just hustle so hard in this town to just like, okay, I need to get every gig that is possibly out there. I will dance for $25, like, whatever it is. Like, let's do this. <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was good for me to do that um, because I think I've been the kind of person where things have generally been pretty easy for me. Like, I have did great in school, and that wasn't hard. You know, I didn't really have to study, um, didn't have to floss. The dentist just thought I did. You know, like... <laughs> They're like, oh, you really floss. And I'm like, yay, I have gappy teeth. Yes, I certainly do. I'm like, no. I am that most avid flosser I know of. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I needed to struggle, and it was good. Wow. (laughs) But it does not, you know, I kept thinking, I just want this to be the, like, movie montage part of the getting it done, like, some sort of inspirational song while I'm, like, sweating and, like, writing and typing (laughs) and... Running to catch the cab and laughing and shaking my head, you know. Oh my god! I'm like, can't Please this make just? That happen. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, can't this just be a montage that we're all looking at? Like, wow, she's really getting it done. But the actually doing it really sucks, and it is a lot of alone, quiet time worrying. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, but I hit off. Now, now I can look back on it, and it's a little bit montagey. It's still a little bit painful, but <laughs> oh my god. it was a lot of. Um, chatting to cabbies about their experiences and commiserating. That was great. You know, I had to get driven down to do my biometrics, like, in this weird part of Park Slope that I was like, I'm never going to make it there in in the subway bus system. Like, I just can't figure out how to get to this, like, South Brooklyn. So I I got a a car service, and there was this guy. He ended up being my Serafina. I loved him. He took me a few times. Um, But he told me all about his whole family's immigration story, because I told them what I was going down for to get my fingerprints and stuff taken. Um, yeah, so there's just some like really lovely stories with other immigrants and like sharing their stories that I I really enjoyed. Just like if you ever want to get to know a cabbie, just tell them you're from somewhere else. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, they're you know it would just change the tone immediately because you're usually like in a cab and they're like oh going to Brooklyn. I'm like yeah, and they're like you know, where are you from? And I'm like, Canada. And so we just start talking and it was, um, yeah, it was great. It's been great hearing those, all those like crazy stories. And I'm so glad, you know, people paying way more than I did to 
for like oh, a Jesus. an arranged marriage, and then the person just takes the money and run. Like one of the stories I heard, and his brother ended up getting deported because that happened. And it's like, wow, ugh, that's so fucked up. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy stories. Oh my god. I mean, and now that you are living here now, yeah. how how do you like America? I love it. I I love America. Um, and for a couple different reasons. I um I don't know. I think as a kid growing up in Canada, we watched a lot of American TV. Mm-hmm. Um very there's very little Canadian TV worth watching. <laughs> Sorry, I said that out loud. There's a lot more now. Well, it's because all of the great Canadian comics come down to America. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And do things here. But, um, you know, so I always grew up thinking, like, oh, America, that's where you're going to make it. Like, that's where you want to go. Uh, I think the American dream is sort of an, a universal dream, at mm. least at least in North America. You know, I can't judge other people's experiences. But, you know, people want to just try that out. And um, so I've loved it here. I, I love, especially living in New York, there's just everyone here pretty much is from somewhere else. So, uh you know, it's just a big place full of really ambitious people trying to make their dreams come true. And that energy is really inspiring. Um, and I think even as a little kid, that's, you know, my goal was like to live in New York City. Mm. I wanted to come here and and do something fantastic. Wow. Never really knew what, but I was like, I remember thinking like when I was a little kid, I'm like, what I want to do, they don't have a name for it yet, but I'm going to do it. Wow. <laughs> I was like, it's something I can't even imagine. And it's true. I had no idea what burlesque was at the time or, um, you know, that you could be a vintage model. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's cool sort of looking. I was looking through some papers of when I was a little kid and all of the things that I put down there as my goals I've done. Wow. And that was, you know. That's amazing. So I fulfilled my kindergarten goals. <laughs> Yes. So it's time for new ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I've since getting my green card. That's sort of how I felt. I'm like that was such a defining feature of my life for so long. Was you know even before I started the green card process. Like as soon as I became a performer, basically I realized the work was down here in the U.S. And I was like, how am I ever going to get there? It seems impossible. Like probably for ten years is almost as long as I've been dancing. I was like, how do I, you know make that happen. So now that I have, I'm like, what now? So I'm still sort of not sure what that is. And um, part of it is like trying to make vegan stuff happen. But anyways, that's an aside. Um, yeah, there's something that's so special about America. And I think that's because, it, I mean, Canada is also an immigrant culture, but more so in the U.S. There's just this whole mythology about it, too. Like, you know, people coming here to make something new happen with their family um, or, you know, striking it out on their own, like leaving their family and everything behind, creating a new identity. So I love that sort of spirit of America mm-hmm. that, you know, everyone's come here to try and make things better or different or to do something new. Um, and that's kind of, there's not a part of America that isn't like that. There's a story about Kansas City and Chicago and, you know, all those little towns in between. Like, I grew up listening to a lot of old jazz and big band music and, mm-hmm. like, you know, just I like all of those little town names, like all those little whistle stops, like Atchison, Topeka, and like, you know, yeah. all those little places. There's songs about them and you just grow up hearing about them and you're like, wow, I'm here. I'm at Tuxedo Junction. Like, I can't believe that's a real place. Wow. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of in love with America. But there's a lot of parts and it's so it's so similar to Canada in so many ways, like 
people look the same. You know, it's, you know, it's more diverse than Canada, but there's still like, you know, same mix of people everywhere. And, um, you know, we all speak the same language mostly. Um, and, but there's just like little, little differences. And I think because Canada is so, you know, it's part of the Commonwealth, it's very British influenced and French as well, mm-hmm. that um, there's just like cultural differences. You know, we use slightly different words. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I've been using a lot of extra vowels in all of my words. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're I noticeable. I had noticed that I wasn't going to say anything. My favorite color. There's two extra U's in that phrase. <laughs> Favorite color. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so like the, the humor is a little different. Um, obviously, one of the biggest differences is healthcare. Yes. Um, uh, I was maybe an hour or two late for this podcast today because I was going to a clinic to uh, get my annual lady exam and make sure everything's great. I What did the lady say? She said, I was in perfect health or you know, she, some phrase that I wish I'd written down because I was like, I have to tell my mom. She's so impressed. I can't see anything that's not right with you. And I was like, no. <laughs> I think I was the only person smiling. So I was like, I'm fantastic, guys. <laughs> I that's amazing. I pride in getting top marks. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, my gynecological felt, health. Right. I felt like I'd gotten a little gold star. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, there's just, it's, not having free healthcare is such a strange thing for me that I I described it to a friend. I don't know if I told you this yesterday when we were chatting, but being in America is like staying in a luxury resort, you know, five stars where everything is amazing. Um, but then when you go to use the healthcare system here, it's like going to the bathroom and realizing oh, there's just a hole in the floor. They don't know what toilets are yet. You know, yeah. it's like everything totally. about this country is so top notch. Like you have the best minds working on, you know, with the best equipment and it's like one of the most affluent countries in the world. Um, why have they not figured out that it is so cheap and easy to provide safe, effective healthcare for everyone for free? Um, you know, it's, it's just baffling that that doesn't happen and that it's such a confusing clusterfuck. Uh, pardon my language. When you go to the doctor's office, you know, I, I have, now I, um, have, I'm on Medicaid, which was wonderful. Um, so it's sort of like I have uh, free health insurance. Um, but there's just the the runaround you get when it's like, okay, well, here, fill out this form. Like, you can probably get a mammogram, but you're going to have to call your doctor and see, or call your health insurance provider and see if they cover it and then see which clinic you can go to. And it's like, wow, really? Like, why does it have to be so difficult? In Canada, you go to a doctor, you just go to whichever one is closest to you. Um, if it's a walk-in clinic or you find a, uh, like a general practitioner that you want to go to, if they can accept more patients, you just go in, you give them your care card, that's it. You see them. Um, there's no like, well, we can't really cover you. You know, there's certain things that are additional that usually your employer covers if you have health coverage through them. Like... And that's like massage therapy and chiropractic and seeing a naturopath. But for everything else that is, I think, a basic human right, you just get it. And it's fine. Usually you pay for prescriptions in Canada, but, um, you know, it's the prescription costs in Canada are very low because, Mm. you know, that's something that we also manage. We're like, there's no reason why you should be paying ridiculous fees for those. Um, 
so yeah that's been just the hardest thing to deal with and harder than that harder than dealing with the situation is seeing friends suffer with ailments that would not even be an issue in Canada mm-hmm. you know simple things like oh I'm a dancer and I hurt my foot but I'm too afraid to go in and ever get it looked oh, at yeah. or it's like I have this thing in my rib that is affecting my breathing but I can't even afford the CAT scan to see if it's anything serious Jesus, you know yeah, and it's like totally. it's horrifying because no one should be dying of paper cut you know but I, I feel like that's what's happening in America is people die from things that we've long since developed the cure for just because they can't afford to get it fixed and that's really shameful it I is, think I agree um, and so I'm, I'm really glad that President Obama has really made health care an issue and I know that it's not perfect but it takes a while. Like it does. In Canada, we first had universal health care in one province. I think it was Saskatchewan, or was it? Maybe it was Winnipeg or um, Manitoba, one of those prairie provinces. Um, they had, uh, I think Tommy Douglas was their prime minister, or their um, what's his name? Oh, I'm the worst Canadian. <laughs> Uh, like a governor? provincial leader, <laughs> I will just say that. Oh, I'm the worst. I've been away too long. <laughs> governor? Um, no. Uh, oh well. Premier. Premier. Hey. There we go. The premier. Um, he was an amazing man. Uh, long, like he was the grandfather of um, what's his name? Um, Donald Sutherland. Keeper Sutherland. Keeper Sutherland is his grandson. Oh my God! Wait, so was Donald Sutherland his son? Son, yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, I think, or or they're related somehow. Um, but yeah, Tommy Douglas is an amazing man, and uh, he made healthcare happen in Canada. And it started in one province, and and that was like right after the war. So I think it was like this in the '60s that we first introduced it, and it was flawed, and it took a while. But the real push that made it happen was soldiers returning from war being like, listen. We just fought in this oh, war, man. and you're not going to tell me that you're not going to take care of us, you know. So they're like, we want, and and in the United States, you got this too. They're like, we're soldiers. You're going to put us through college because we gave you the best years of our life. Yeah, and I'm, so I'm shaking my head right now just because it's making me think of like the the whole the the nightmare that is the VA. Mm-hmm. You know, oh I know, soldiers are coming home and not able. You know, they have to wait months. Yeah, for an appointment, and it turns out it's all cronyism and. Like all this f- totally fucked up thinking mm-hmm. that has completely crippled a vital agency. Yeah, that's that's just the thing, and it's I feel like the main problem that happened in governance, and it, it's happening in Canada too, is that people stopped being treated like citizens and started being treated like customers, mm. and that was on purpose, and it was a policy that was put into place, I think, in the '80s. Um, that they were like, you know, let's treat this more like government, more like a business. And government shouldn't be like a business. It should be run like a family. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. You know, we're all a community and we're taking care of each other. And that's why we form government to organize our society. And it's not a business. It should not be run that way. We should not expect it to turn a profit. We should just expect it to take care of each other because we all have to live together. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know... Of course, it makes me sound like a socialist, and I am. (laughs) But I don't think there's anything wrong with socialism. I think what it means to me is that we live in a society, so we should take care of each other. And, you know, I want my neighbors to be healthy and happy, and I don't think I have more of a right to it than anyone else. 
So absolutely, um, there's my poli sci degree just coming out all well, over the place. Say, that's, 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 <laughs> that's definitely another thing I wanted to touch on because we were talking last night and uh, you had mentioned that you have your political science degree mm-hmm. and that you would like to run for office one day. So I'm curious oh, yeah, if definitely. that might be the next goal, <laughs> if this is the proverbial kindergarten right now all yeah, over again, you yeah. know, your list of goals. It, it's still something that I want to do and I'm not, uh, my mom keeps reminding me, you can't be president, just remember that. <laughs> You're, you know, they won't let a foreigner be a president, so she wants me to move back home. <laughs> I'm like, don't worry, Mom, I'm still going to be prime minister one day. <laughs> Yay. Um, so, yeah, I I would love to get into politics, um, but I feel like, you know, you don't, you know, I'm 35, and that's really the youngest you'd ever see someone in politics, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I am ready yet to make that commitment you got, you got shit to do i do i and i just read elizabeth warren's new book uh fighting chance oh yes which was great it was much needed uh um airport reading i i was had been traveling a lot this year and just like burning through books like you wouldn't believe um on airplanes and so i I picked up her book, which was great, though it was very heavy for traveling a girl. (laughs) I'm like, oh, can't they come out with this in a soft cover? (laughs) It's quite heavy, but definitely was worth it. Um, And I passed it on to a friend along the road. Um, It was just a great book because, you know, she just a really like ordinary woman who worked really hard and, you know, sort of came up through the 60s and 70s and had had a family and, and, you know, gave up her college chances to to pursue a family life um but after that and you know divorce and all that she managed to you know after she raised her kids she's like okay now i'm gonna do something for me and she put herself through law school and then um became almost immediately started teaching law um and focusing on bankruptcy law and I mean, I'm not going to tell you the whole book. Don't worry, people. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> alert. Yeah, like... but um, it was just really cool to be like, okay. And that, like, you know, in her 40s and 50s, she started doing that. And she didn't become senator of Massachusetts until she was in her mid-60s. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I got lots of time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it did. it definitely made me think, like, you know, how do I want to go about doing that? And what what do I want to do? And... You know, I it's it's tough for me right now. Um, as soon as I can apply for my citizenship, I will. Um, it's been hard not being a citizen because I can't vote, and that is really hard. Mm. I, it's funny. Like I wasn't the kind of kid who was like, I can't wait till I'm drinking age. I was like, I can't wait till I'm voting age. <laughs> I was so excited to turn 16 so that I could vote for myself. Wow, I is was, that the voting age in Canada? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, You're 18. Yeah. They let you guys, you guys are grownups. They should let everyone do things earlier here. I don't see it. It's definitely not stopping people from drinking (laughs) to have the drinking age at 21. Um, And I think it's 19 in Canada. Um, But, I mean, everyone is drinking in high school, except for me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. um, Yeah, I couldn't, I was so excited to go vote for the first time. And I know voting is just, like, one small part of being, you know, an active citizen, but... I, th- I think it's important, and I think it's it was so hard fought for by our ancestors for both, you know, women and people of color, and, um, you know, it's been denied to so many people that I just, I feel really proud and happy when I get to vote. Yeah. Um, and it's been hard. I can vote by 
absentee ballot, which I've done a couple times, but there's been a few elections where they've announced it too quickly for me to get my ballot, and I feel like such a failed citizen (laughs) when I can't vote. Yeah, it really like, "Mm, I could have made a difference. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket, I know, but still, it just... There's like a symbolism to it or something. Absolutely, and I love that that's, you know, that you feel so strongly like that. I mean, I wish that there were more, I mean, especially here in America, you know, more young people who Mm -hmm. had that same drive, that same fire. I mean, especially with the younger generations coming up, they, I I haven't, I have yet to hear of any that, I'm I'm sure they exist, thank God, Um, but yeah, it's not quite the first and foremost Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's a failure of a lot of things. I think, you know, society doesn't make participation in democracy seem very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's in many ways not very exciting, but, um, and also the news is very like, you know, divining and partisan and it, you know, makes it seem like, oh, that's, they're just a bunch of crooks and who cares? And I'm like, well, okay, but that's because the wrong people are being attracted to it. And I, I really love this new um, proposition that's coming up. Again, I should have Googled it to get more information, but someone has, I think they've successfully funded a super PAC, the point of which is to uh, reform voting so that there's all the money is taken out of politics so that they can get rid of people being able to donate to just make, and I think this should happen everywhere, that political campaigns should be government-funded so that everyone is on the same playing field, no one can buy an election, that no one can buy votes, um, whether it's, you know, for an election or for passing a bill. You know, I don't think there should be any reason why there should be lobbyists pushing with their money to try and get people to vote one way or another. You know, corporations should not be people. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how that turns. And I feel like this is a really exciting time in America. You know, I I moved down here just after... um, President Obama was elected first time, the second time? 2008. 2008, so yeah. yeah. So I came down here in 2009, and uh, I just feel like this is a very exciting time. You know, people are more aware, and with the, you know, the Occupy Wall Street movement, you know, as flawed as it may have been, just seeing people giving a shit and out in the streets and actually doing something about, you know, and realizing they can make a difference. I think people don't realize that they have as much power as they do. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And so um, and I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I feel like people are really paying attention to what's going on a little bit more and realizing that they have a part to play. Mm. Um, so that's exciting. And that's, you know, something that I want to get more involved with. Um, and then once I can get my citizenship, which I think in a couple of years, I can apply for that. Um, then I can sort of take a more active role. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about being a part of this. Um, you know, uh, when Bush was in power, people were like, you know, my American friends were like, oh, I just want to come to Canada. And I'm like, no, you need to stay here. Mm-hmm. You need to do, you know, don't let this just become a country run by extremists yeah. on both sides. Like, we all Absolutely. need to work together. I think that compromising is great, and I love that, President Obama was like saying, you know, let's work together because, yeah, that is how you run a country. You can't just say, I'm going to do whatever that I want, and I don't care what half the people in this country say. You know, I the more I I love talking to people about politics, even though it can be a little messy sometimes. But just I love let's 
talking to people who have very different views from me mm-hmm. and realizing that we are not as different as you think. I think, you know, things like Fox News or whatever really try and polarize it. And I don't think that's the point of view of most people. And even, you know, people who you'd think would be very conservative or whatever, I think most people can find a common ground. And I think that's where, you know, people need to look. And, you know, that's something that you can apply to your, like, everything in my life I find, like, I'm not the vegan who, like, won't sit next to someone eating meat or, you know, I don't have, like, my personal choices in my life are for me and they're not something that um, I need to push on anyone else. And I feel like that that kind of attitude comes from insecurity of your own beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, wanting other everyone else to believe the same things that you do is, you know, it's silly. We're all different and everyone needs to come at their, you know, life choices for their own reasons. Agreed. So. Yeah. Rant over. <laughs> Hashtag Bettina May for president. Right. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, my God. That's, that's amazing. I, I'm really excited to I, – I, when you were talking about the – and while you were talking about your, you know, the importance of voting, I was just suddenly seeing you at your swearing-in ceremony, like the picture on Facebook, like, you know, like pin-up perfection mm-hmm. being like, boom, American citizen – pink chanel suit yes yes mm. oh my god that would be amazing yes wow <laughs> vintage 1960s uh match <laughs> hope you can find a good vegan purse to go with that oh yeah <laughs> i'm sure does anyone want to sponsor me <laughs> um so where can people find you i mean this is i feel like we've really beautifully sort of like scratched the surface of you. Mm. Um, if people want to learn more about you or better yet, come find you in a show, mm. where can they find you? They can come to my very Canadian website. It's bettina.ca. <laughs> I have a Canadian domain. Oh my God. <laughs> I think it's like German grandmas took all of the, uh, the dot coms and the oh. Bettina categories. <laughs> <laughs> They're little blogs about life in Germany or whatever. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it's B-E-T-T-I-N-A dot C-A. Uh, and my calendar is all up there. You can also find a link to I, um, all my pinup-related activities. Yes, which we didn't barely even spoke yeah, about. Yeah, I teach classes on pinup styling and makeovers. Great hair and, class, I've heard. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I do photography as well, pinup yes. photography. Yeah, so. which is a, another thing that we didn't even get to talk oh, about. I know. I just blather on about my personal beliefs. <laughs> How dare you? I know. I'm an opinionated (laughs) woman. Um, But, yeah, you can find out all that stuff at pinupclass.com. Hey, awesome. if you just go to bettina.ca, there's a link to it as well. Amazing. And um, are you taking any big trips coming up soon? I am going back to Canada on August 1st. I'm going to go spend um, my dad's birthday with him and my mom. Yay. And uh, then I'm going to, you know, teach a class in Victoria and... Then I'm going to go and teach in Vancouver, and then I'm going to be teaching in Seattle, and I'm also performing in Seattle as well. So Amazing. You can see the trend there. Not a lot of shows in Canada. <laughs> All the shows in America. That's my life. <laughs> Are you going back to Europe anytime soon? Because you're quite the international traveler as well. <gasps> I am hoping to go next summer. That's my plan. I just got back from awesome. there in March. I was there for a month, and it was wonderful. I love Europe. So lovely, mm-hmm. especially Lisbon. If you ever get a chance really? to go to Portugal, Lisbon especially is the most gorgeous city I've ever been to. I'm in love with it. Wow. <laughs> Every wow. time I'm there, I'm like, I'm just 
get a look at Craigslist and see what apartments got. Like, <laughs> now that I finally got my U.S. green card, I'm like, I want to live somewhere else. <laughs> um, no, I'm staying here. Don't take my green card away. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Bettina. This has been wonderful, and I hope to have you back. I would love to. Episode. We can scratch other surfaces. Yes. Scratch Ooh. all the surfaces. It's <laughs> been a pleasure. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. There you have it, folks, my interview with the one and only Bettina May. You can go ahead and check her out online at Bettina.ca. That's B-E-T-T-I-N-A dot C-A. And she's got a blog. You can find out where you can take her next pinup class. You can check out her incredible pinup model work and as well as her own photography. I don't know if, I can't remember if she spoke about that in the podcast. Um, But then also where you can catch her taking her clothes off, which I have to say she's very good at. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I wish you all a wonderful week and look forward to bringing you a brand new episode sometime next week as well. Lots of love, guys. Be good to you. Bye. Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with leg.